0: Our scripture reading comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. It's page 977 in your pew Bibles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do praise you for your word. We thank you that you've seen fit to speak directly to us, uh, to show us truth, uh, that it would change our lives. Lord, just open up our minds and our hearts to hear it, that we wouldn't walk away unchanged but you lord would would continue to sanctify our minds our hearts renew our spirits for your glory in christ's name we pray amen ephesians chapter 4 verses 7 7 through 12. but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of christ's gift therefore it says when he ascended on high he led a host of captives And he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. The word of God for the people of God.
1: Well, it's good to be back from vacation. Um, I'm trying to get back into the mode of work, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. But what, one of the things that we did that I, I really enjoyed is uh, as a family, we were out to dinner and we started talking about different terms and kind of um, phrases of generations would use. And um, I, it was a wonderful opportunity to embarrass my children and for them to also use terms that I have no clue, but it made me think about how, you know, we have kind of different groups as we grow up, and those groups would be kind of identified. And so, some of y'all will remember the alternative, you know, the kids who listened to The Cure and uh, were more interested in, like, art stuff and, and, um, and, you know, Nirvana and... I don't have my glasses. I'm not seeing as much recognition, so I might be in a gap between So, Thank you, Steve. So, um, you know, you had your Doc Martens. You you had your ripped jeans. You had your Nirvana shirt, and you had your long flannel. Um, And I always thought it was kind of amusing and funny that we knew these were the alternative. These were the grunge. And yet, you could easily tell because everyone was dressed exactly the same. It was just a different flannel pattern and maybe a different band shirt, but you marked yourself. Everyone looked the same, and I, th- I think any kind of group does that. Um, you know, the 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 IZOD shirt with the sweater around, and maybe some of y'all remember them. But any kind of group, there's usually something that identifies and marks. And there's the same kind of lingo, the same kind of words you would use. And, and there would be only acceptable bands. And, and there would be only, you know, there's certain things marking yourself to be part of this group. And that's, you know, just kind of human nature. You, you mark yourself with a tribe. And we could expect Paul to be giving us direction about how we mark ourselves through the lingo and through the way we dress and what we do as being part of a tribe of Christians. We've been talking about unity. We've been talking about what it means to be in Christ is that we share one baptism and we have one um, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. We saw that We mark ourselves as being unified. There's one body that we're part of And as we've been looking at him talking about this unity and that we're making every effort to maintain our unity, he now says, "Um, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then he starts to talk about different roles in the church and that our object is to grow up in maturity and grow up to unity. In other words, as he's talking about this unity, what he's saying is, this unity that we have in Christ, this unity we have in our baptism and our common faith, is expressed in a multitude of ways. We are not to be people who mark ourselves with kind of external markers that are um, kind of show us to be part of the church. We are those who live out the faith, and we do so in a myriad of forms. In other words, unity. Does not mean uniformity. We come to Christ from every tribe and tongue and nation, from every status, from every walk of life, and that doesn't mean we come and then we take on a certain style that we come in and we we start to look the same and talk the same and act the same. It means we continue to have our unique perspectives. We continue to have our unique gifts and talents, and we should look very different and act different and think very different and still be unified because we're unified in Christ. I think that it's a, it's a beautiful image that, uh, that we're always given of a chorus of every tribe and tongue and nation praising God. It's not a group that has become one nation, but it's every person on you know, all the peoples of earth coming in with different um, outlooks and different gifts and different skills and, and that we display ourselves and live out our calling as uniquely as God has made you. So as he talks about unity, what we understand is that does not mean a uniformity. It means there's a myriad of gifts and we all live these out. And we see this. We see this in our lives together. We see those who, I mean, there there are certain people that uh, you know this would be somebody to kind of help calm something down. You know, other people that would kind of uh, be the person to kind of challenge something that need to be challenged. You know, there would be certain people that would be just great to host a party. There'd be others that you would, um, you know, it'd be an effort to invite them to your party. You know, there's just a, a, a there's a wide variety. We all have different political views. We all have different giftings. We all have different things. And I have to tell you, one of the things I love is watching people who, apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ, would have nothing in common, knitting their hearts together, because at the root of everything, we know that we are both sinners, we both receive the grace of God, and we receive forgiveness, and we have a common Lord, that we recognize the unity that we have is in that, and so... Paul says that's the way it's supposed to be. There was a a movement um, that came out in the early 2000s about growing churches, and what they realized was uh, you can grow a church because people like being around other people who are like them. And there was a book that came out, um, The Purpose-Driven Church, and the whole basis of this was if you get a church and you do a demographic study and you find out what kind of music the people like, and you find out what kind of things they like to do, and if you kind of do everything based on marketing towards this group of people, they're going to come, and there's going to be other people like them that come, and they're going to enjoy being with other people like them, and you can build a big church, and it works great for building a big institution. But it's completely opposed to the gospel, because the gospel recognizes that we come out of our need for Christ and salvation, and in that, we recognize a bond we have with people who are very different from us. And so, a healthy church is a church that is like what Paul shows us, where we have a myriad of gifts, we have a diversity of, 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 of people. And think, just you know, think about it for a moment of the great saints, the great ones that we, we lift up that we know that represent the faith. Think about how different they are. How how distinct? I mean, you know, um, just the 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 things they do, and you know, some are are very good at missions. Some are very good at, at um, um, explaining scripture. Some are uh, really good at, at at walking along people and and helping what it means to follow Christ. Some are really good at. Uh, you know, praying. Some are really good at at just organizing and administrating. There's all sorts of gifts that we have, and that's what he wants us, even as we're talking about unity, is to recognize that God has given gifts. Jesus has given gifts to his church, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. So, he talks about Christ descending. He dies, he suffers for us, but he rises triumphantly. He is resurrected. He ascends into heaven. He has conquered the grave. He is now the king of kings. And as one who conquers, and he's quoting Psalm uh, 68 with a slight change, he he says, you know, like any king conquers and goes up and and receives gifts, um, is what Psalm says, is the natural thing of one who conquers receives tribute from those he's conquered. But this king is a different king. This king triumphs over others, and rather than receiving gifts, he gives gifts to men. He gives us gifts. And this, we often think of the gifts of that he lists elsewhere, you know, the, the gifts of uh, of teaching, the gifts of prayer, the gifts of faith. But now he, he discusses different roles in the church. He's given the gifts, and so the gifts he's given, he's descended um, and given apostles and prophets evangelists and shepherds and teachers so apostles were those who like paul saw the risen lord and were commissioned to go and tell others about the jesus they saw and they knew and so we we have them going to other places establishing churches as they write and tell the story of what they saw so paul is saying i learned things from jesus i'm telling them to you John writes his gospel having been there and seen what takes place and being commissioned by Jesus. And so, we no longer have apostles. We don't have those who walked with Jesus. We don't have true apostles. We have people who claim to be apostles, but apostles are those who saw Jesus and now they have died out. They've left us the Scriptures so that we have their word. There were prophets before the establishment of Scripture, those who would go and explain and also speak on behalf of God. And we we understand that that role now that has been fulfilled in Scripture, that we we don't have that now. We do have evangelists, those who go where there is no church. They share the gospel. They, they, They build up and they proclaim the good news. And as well, this last one, shepherds and teachers, and the way that is, is to be understood as one role. It's a pastor-teacher, a, pastor a shepherd-teacher. Remember, back in Alabama, we had a, a pastor who declared his, office, his title as pastor-teacher, and, and that caused quite a stir, but it was biblical. Pastoring is done through teaching. Teaching is also shepherding. And so, these are the gifts God has given to His church. And I, I just want to point out, the Bible says it, I am God's gift to you. I do want to point out that is the idea of what a pastor is to be. It's one who equips the saints for the work of ministry. I want you to hear that very clearly. The idea is that God has given positions in the church, but what is that position? It's to equip, it's to support. It's to get the people ready to do the work God has called them to do. And I want you to see as that is completely different than the way most of us have been trained to think about church. We tend to think about church as the professional, the pastor, the guy up front is the one who does ministry, and the rest of us support it. Maybe we give some money, maybe we volunteer to do things when when the church program needs it. But real ministry is done by the missionaries and the pastors and the professionals that we send off to do things. But that's not what the Scriptures are showing us. The Scriptures show us who does the ministry. It's you. So this isn't a stage where you're watching ministry. This is, I mean, there is a ministry of the Word, but that ministry is to empower you to go do the real ministry. You are the saints. And this role is a support role to equip you. That means to give you that whole armor of God, we're going to talk later, to to help you do the work God has called you to do because the work is done through the church, not by those who serve the church, by feeding the sheep and equipping the people. So the work of ministry is done by the saints. So the pastor, the teacher, the, the shepherd, that role is to equip for the real work of ministry Not not that the ministry of Word and Sacraments isn't real, but this is to support you for going out day by day doing what God has called you to do. And so what is this ministry? This ministry is the building up the body of Christ. So as what we gather together and we remember who we are, and we grow in our understanding of Scripture, and as you are given the signs and seals that remind you of what God has done for you so that you are strengthened and you're encouraged and you're equipped and you learn how to do what you're called to do, you go back out and do the ministry of building up the body. So that means, in part, sharing the gospel with those who don't profess Christ, that they might be brought in, and become part of the body. The body becomes, you know, more as more people come in. So you, in in your home and in your work and and all that you do, you you share the gospel with others. Um, we equip you to do that, but it's also building up one another so that you're helping brothers and sisters as they're going through difficult times. You're you're confronting one another when there's sin that needs to be dealt with. You're Know, helping one another learn as you gather around the Scriptures and, and try to understand what it means to your life. And this is the way that God wants us to do the ministry. It's just building one another up, walking alongside, sharing words, encouraging one another, laughing and enjoying life together as we enjoy that fellowship of being with one another. And that is when you are doing ministry. And again, I think we're used to like the pro or the somebody else being the one who does it. We're also very used to the idea that real ministry takes place when the session's approved it or a committee's planned it or, you know, it's something on the church calendar. But the way Paul is going to lay out Ephesians is he's going to talk about how we live in this new life, how we live as the saints who are doing ministry, and then he's going to show us how that is lived out as husband and wife, as parent and child, as co-workers, as different roles. So, so it's not just like the, anything that goes here is ministry. It's your whole life. It's equipping the. It's it's building one another up as we gather together for worship, as we gather together for study. But it's also when you. Um, pray with your children, when you um, have those conversations about what it means to follow Christ, when you um, love your family well, when you forgive, when you endure the difficulties um, of being with family. As you go through these things, as as you work, it's, it's not as though when you're um, Caring for someone in the hospital or in the classroom, and that's your work, and then you have to leave and come teach Bible school or something else. You know, is the real ministry when you're caring for those students, when you're caring for um, an aging parent who needs you, when you're doing all of those things and building one another up in the light of God. You are doing ministry, and I hope that that just changes the way we think about what we're doing and about who we are. The gifting is to equip you. And the more we understand who we are and what God calls us to do, we go about that work. I've heard of a church that had a sign to remind people of this. As they would go out over the doors, it would be, the worship is over, the service has begun. That sounds like a good place to stop.